<clears throat> I was, uh, <clears throat> after all the, the hurricanes, I was out uh, Wednesday, I think it was, beautiful rainbow. Anybody see the rainbow? Yeah, I, I, it's crazy, right? So it happened to be close to me. And so I thought, I, this is my chance. So I went to the, and I found the end of the rainbow. It was at a 7-Eleven. <clears throat> I went inside and there was a leprechaun. I couldn't believe it. And so I, I'm, I'm like over, I'm just listening real close. And I, and I hear the guy behind the counter say it's going to be $2.50. And the leprechaun puts $2 up on the counter and turns to walk out. The guy behind the counter said, you're a little short. So my wife wanted to go to this nice restaurant. <clears throat> I hate ties. So we get there and they let her in. They said, sir, you can't get in without a tie. Well, you know, some places have these courtesy ties, these Kmart ties that you can put on. And uh, this place didn't. And they said, you can't get in without a tie. So went back to the car and I'm scrounging around trying to find something, you know, just, and, and I found a pair of old jumper cables. And, uh, and I took them and I wrapped them around my neck and I made it look really nice. And I, I went back to the Mater D and he looked at me and he said, all right, Joe, you can come in, but don't start anything. <laughs> all right. You feel better? All right. So we've been working our way through the book of Acts. Uh, it's all online if you'd like to go back and listen, but we're at the very end. Next week will be the last message of the book of Acts, and then we will start a Christmas series. Uh, but we uh, <clears throat> we left off where Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem. Um, the Jewish people intend to kill him. His nephew finds out about the plot. Nephew goes and tells folks. Uh, the Romans send this huge escort of of cavalry and spearmen and soldiers, and they deliver him to Caesarea. In Caesarea, he speaks before all the Roman governors and counselors, and he's kind of held under house arrest for two and a half years, but he's free to preach the gospel. Now, you got to remember, Paul at this point is getting older. He's walked all over Europe, all over Asia. So now people are coming to him. From everywhere. And he's teaching them. And he's training them. And then they go back home and plant churches. It's a much more strategic plan than Paul walking all over the world. Well, after two and a half years, they finally decide to put uh, Paul on a boat, send him to Rome. Last week we talked about the fact that there was a huge shipwreck. The ship is totally destroyed. They end up on an island called Malta. Malta had some tribes that were still very uncivilized. And when they see these people, they think they're intruders and they're going to kill all of them. And while Paul is negotiating with them, a viper grabs a hold of Paul's arm and that's a sign that you're dead. So you got saved by a shipwreck, but now a viper bit you. This just proves that you are one evil dude. Paul shakes the viper off into the fire and they sit there and they wait for Paul to die. And Paul does not die. Paul does not get sick. And now they think Paul's a god. And they're ready to worship him instead of kill him. Paul said, no, I'm not a god either. But I am here to tell you about the living God. So he begins to preach. And I will tell you that 2,000 years later, if you went to the island of Malta, you would find that that island is almost 100% 
Christian even to this very day. But finally, after a period of winter, they get on another ship and they sail on to Rome. Now I'm going to tell you the name of the port. If you're Italian, forgive me. Chitita Vec Ia. Right? It's not supposed to sound like an Indian word, but that's how I have to pronounce it. Okay? There is no port in Rome. Alright? The port is 50 miles to the west of Rome. Rome is inland. So they finally get there and the word has gotten out that Paul's coming. And now everybody's coming to see Paul when he comes in Rome. They don't have cell phones. They don't have email. But they've heard all about the shipwreck. They've heard about the people on Malta. They've heard about all the conversions that are happening. And people are coming out either to hear, to be saved, or they're coming out to show their anger. But people are coming to find out. If you'll stand with me out of respect for the word of God. We pick it up in verse 17. So Paul's now landed uh, in Italy and he's heading inland. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Remember, that's Nero. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel. Now, let me tell you about this phrase, all right? We could spend the whole day right here. From the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve's sin, God promised Adam and Eve that he would send a Messiah. So for 6,000 years, the people of Israel have been waiting for a Messiah. Paul says, because of the hope of Israel, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, he's now here. It's because of that hope that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we've not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of the brothers who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against you. That sound, nobody knows anything about Christianity, but they're all talking against it. All right? They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, from morning until evening, he explained and declared the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. Let me help you understand Jewish people to this very day. Three men that they have the utmost respect for. Moses, Elijah, and Isaiah. So Paul is working from those three books. Some were convinced by what Paul said. They become followers of Jesus. But others would not believe. Pay attention to the wording. Would not. You see that? They made a choice. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made the final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said this through Isaiah. Paul never misses a chance to stick it in your ear. He is speaking to his Jewish brothers and he quotes Isaiah. 
And God said, go to the people and say, my people will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and repent, and God would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. That's all of us, and they will listen. You can be seated. Wow. Pretty powerful speech there. But here's where I want to start. Some believed. I like that. Some believed. Because we get upset when everybody doesn't believe. Like, we all think we, we want to be Billy Graham. Everybody wants to be Billy Graham. I want to speak, and 4,000 people accept Christ, and 50,000 people come to hear me. You know what? That's awesome. And I love preaching to you guys. But I will tell you that Cord and I have preached to four people, 30 people. We had churches that on Easter couldn't get 50 people to show up. Okay? So it's the same message. It's the same gospel. It doesn't matter. The goal is to win somebody to Jesus. Bob Russell had one of the greatest quotes ever. Bob led a church in Louisville, Kentucky, 20,000 members. They said, Bob, what are you going to do when you retire? He said, I'm going to go to a church of 150, and I'm going to start looking for number 151. Because that's what matters. That's what matters. You can't be discouraged by the people who don't believe. Listen, there were people that didn't believe Jesus. Remember the feeding? The rabbis tell us it wasn't the feeding of 5,000. It was 5,000 men. It was the feeding of fifteen or 20,000 men, women, and children. And the next day, when Jesus didn't pull another rabbit out of his hat, they all left. And Jesus turns to the disciples. This is in John 6. And he says, where Aren't you guys going to go too? You're going to leave me? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, I don't know, but the other 20,000 people found somewhere to go. But Peter and the disciples had decided, no, Jesus is who he said. So some believe. Now, when you believe, I want you to understand this is more than an acquiescence for a lot of people. And the last song we're going to sing uh, is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible song. It's an incredible statement of faith. But so many Christians have reduced their faith to that statement of faith. Look, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. That's great. Except faith is a verb. Right? You can write that down if you want. Hebrews 11.1 1 said faith is being sure of what we don't see. Hebrews 11.6 says without faith it's impossible to please God. So you think God's looking down and saying, I hope he checks that box saying I believe there's a God. No, faith is an action. Once I've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've not accepted Jesus yet, you come down front, there'll be people to help you. You will teach you how to repent, how to be, we'll take you through the baptism process. If you're online, hit the button, I've decided. But once you become a Christian, this verb accent is so, so important. What do Christians do? Well, we come and sit. No, that'd be a noun. No, we go. We go. We come here to get encouraged. 
And we serve. And I pray, I prayed last night, I pray, I pray to God this church never says that it's too expensive or it's too hard, too much hard work or it's going to take too much of our time. Because if it ever gets to that point, we've ceased to be a church. And I'm not picking on other churches. Well, maybe I am. Um, but what it says is I want to be a noun. I don't want to be a verb. But we're not called to be nouns. We're called to be verbs, to go, to give, to serve, to teach, to change people's eternal lives. And do, do you know God's name is a verb? Has anybody ever taught you this? Well, buckle in. Okay. So when the covenant name of God, uh, when, when Moses is up on, on the mountain, the, the bush is burning, Exodus 3, you with me? All right, God speaks to Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, and you're going to send Moses back. And Moses says, well, who are you? Who do I tell people? And he said, I am. Okay, the covenant name of God is YHWH. The Jewish people will not pronounce the name for fear that they will mess it up and be guilty of blaspheming against the word of God. If you transliterate it into English, because Hebrew has no vowels, it either gets translated Yahweh or Jehovah. There's no J in Hebrew, so that makes it difficult. But it's called the Tetragrammaton, and what it is is the covenant name of God, and it means to be. It doesn't say, I exist. It says, I am, means I am constantly on the move. To be. So God himself is a verb. Is he a person? Not in our sense, but he's a spirit. But God himself describes himself as a verb. And when you, t- when you look at most, well, Christians or non-Christians, a couch potato is a noun. All right? And most Christians have decided that being a noun is really what God wants. But if I'm made in God's image and he's a verb, what does that mean I need to be? I need to be a verb. You know, we need to learn to be like Pluto, all right? Not the animal, the planet, all right? Let me, let me take you back. When I was a child, it hadn't been too long since they found Pluto. And we were taught that there were nine planets in our solar system. Anybody in class? Two or three of you went? Okay. All right. Then there was this huge controversy, and there was a period of time where we couldn't decide whether it was going to be a planet or not. It is, it is, it is, it isn't. And a group of somebody who gets to vote on something like this is beyond my understanding, but somebody got together, they voted, and they voted Pluto out of the planethood. They canceled Pluto. All right? Well, after, what, 20 years, some guys got back together and said, you know what? think it is a planet. So I don't know what they teach you in class now. Uh, I don't know. But here's what I want you to notice. Throughout all of that, Pluto was totally unaffected. (laughs) Pluto just continued to circle the sun. Because that's what it does. So as Christians, yeah, people are going to show up. They showed up. Some came to learn, but others came, said, we don't know anything about this, but we don't like it. The old saying about atheists, the two things that atheists are sure of, there is no God and they hate him. It's an interesting, it's an, it's an interesting dichotomy. All right. 
So, yes, there are going to be people that don't want to hear what you have to say. They, they won't accept your invitation to church. Uh, they may get angry. Uh, but you'd be like Pluto and you go, you know what? I know who I am. I know what I believe. And I'm just going to roll right on. But then there were others who didn't believe. So that's a fact. They didn't believe Jesus. They didn't believe Paul. Paul's trying to convince people. Acts chapter 2, Peter is begging people, save yourself. It says, he says, I beg you to save yourself from this mess that we live in. And there were 3,000 men got saved that day. 15, 20,000 people probably. But there were still thousands that walked away. So there's going to be some that we have to keep praying for. We're praying that they will change their minds. But there are some that may not. But the church can never let those who say no stop them from going after the next person who will say yes. Because there's always somebody that's going to say no. They have a hard time believing anything. Did you know, right, just in case you didn't know this, at one time, I think this is in the 90s, Pepsi, by the way, Pepsi or Coke? Coke? Pepsi? All right, it's going to kill all of you, but anyway. um, The Russians fell in love with Pepsi. First, the first, the first carbonated beverage to get in, and the Russian people fell in love with Pepsi. But the Russian government went through a very difficult time economically, and they ran out of money. But they knew that if they didn't keep importing Pepsi, that there would be an overthrow of the government. So for a period of a week, I want you to listen to this statistic. Pepsi had the second largest navy in the world. True story. The Russians said, we have no money, but we will give you all of these ships, submarines. They're all old. You can have them. Pepsi took them and scrapped them for metal to pay the bills. But for a week, the United States and then Pepsi was the second largest navy in the world. (laughs) I don't have to make stuff up. The world is too good. Too good. Look, some people are always going to be doubters. My job is to do my best to to convince you to set your doubts aside. However, while people are saying no, we don't just sit there. We keep moving forward trying to help other people find Jesus. And this is my creation um, highlight for the moment. This is, and we've got several beetles we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. But this is a particular, it's called the iron beetle, I believe. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Here's the thing about this beetle. A car can run over it, and you cannot crush the shell. We have engineers and designers of airplanes that are studying the shell of this beetle to figure out how they can duplicate this for our airplanes. And supposedly this happened by chance, right? This beetle's shell is so strong that a car cannot crush it. Just God saying, watch this. Watch this. All right? Now, now we come to the real problem. There's a third group of people you might have missed. We have people that believe, people that didn't believe, but we had a whole bunch of people who stayed in Rome. 
Now, this is the group that scares me, okay? It's 50 miles from that port that I brilliantly shared the name with you. Uh, in your Bible, it probably says Petulia. That's the old port. Uh, but it's, it is where the cruise ships go today. You don't cruise into Rome because Rome is 50 miles inland. So it's 50 miles from the cruise ship into Rome. So all of these Jewish people and all of these antagonizers, they came from all over the world because they heard that the ship was coming. People came to hear Paul. And Paul sets up shop in these hotel rooms and, and saloons along the way. It's a place called the Three Taverns. It's just three wooden structures, but that's what it, that was the name of it. Paul sets up shop and people come by the thousands to hear this man share about salvation. But there's a group. There's literally hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that are in Rome. Not to mention all the Romans. And they've heard Jesus' story was not in a box. They've heard all about the crucifixion. They've heard all about the resurrection. They've heard all about Paul. They've heard all the stories about the disciples. They're in Rome and 50 miles away is the message of hope and salvation. And they never leave Rome. It wasn't worth their time. Wasn't worth their time to get out of bed and walk down the road to find out how to go to heaven and not go to hell. To me, that's the most tragic part of this story. It's like in Revelation 3 when Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea. And he says, I wish you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. I use the analogy of coffee. All right, If you, if you like coffee, like me... I want it black and I want it hot. All right? I don't say give me a hot coffee and then sit it there and let it cool off for about two hours till it's disgusting. On the same hand, Pastor Cord drinks iced coffee. Well, he drinks a lot of milk and sugar with a little bit of coffee in it because he's kind of soft. But anyway... Um, <laughs> But it'd be like him ordering his iced coffee and saying, now listen, set it there and let all the ice melt and let it dilute completely and then let me drink it. Now we got two drinks that are undrinkable. No. If you want iced coffee, you want it cold and you want it fresh. You want hot coffee, you want it hot, and you want it black. That's the analogy that Jesus is saying. Church, you're with me or you're not with me. You see, we're talking about, well, some people believe, some people didn't believe. But Jesus says there are people that say they're believers who aren't verbs. And he said, I wish you would catch fire. Because it makes me sick when you say you're a believer, but you're really not there. So either get in or get out. In 1 Kings 18, prophet Elijah's up on Baal, uh, dealing with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And there's... Um, 850 false prophets. And Elijah uh, is speaking to the Jewish people who keep following this false God that causes them to sacrifice their babies to this pagan God. And Elijah said, let me ask you a question. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the false prophet's God, then go for it. But if the the living God is God, then serve him. Do you hear the verb? 
serve and worship him. Elijah said, for goodness sake, make a decision. So I don't know where you're at here in this room. And I don't know who needs to make what decision. I don't know where where you're at in this in this process. But it comes down to saying, you know what? I need this information. Am I willing to pay for it? Yeah. Am I willing to go the distance? They wouldn't go 50 miles to hear the truth. They wouldn't travel down the road. They wouldn't get their feet dirty to find out how to go to heaven. Then sad. And yet some of us are stuck somewhere in the middle. Psalm 106 says, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. The people that should have known better, they were all supposed to be waiting for the hope of Israel. Every Jewish person should have been looking for the Messiah. They couldn't even walk down the road to hear the story about him. I don't know where you're at. There's a story about an 11-year-old boy. Here's this picture. He's 11 years old, just graduated with a degree in, I don't know, astrophysics or something. I, I don't remember. But he said, my goal is to figure out how to make man immortal. I wanted to call this little 11-year-old boy and say, son, I can already tell you how to do that. In fact, you are immortal. It's just a matter of whether you'll spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven because you and I are all made to live forever. All right, one last thing. You put that beautiful number up on the board. There's how far you're in debt. $31 trillion. Well, that was last night, so it's gone way up since then. $31 trillion dollars. The number's unfathomable. When you really try to break down a trillion dollars, your mind will go into lockdown, okay? Um, do you think there's any way you're ever, we're ever going to pay that off? No. No. Do you understand that's the debt that each one of us owes God because of our sin? Any chance you're going to pay that off? Well, I'll just work really hard. I'll be really, really, really good the last 10 years of my life. You going to pay off a $31 trillion debt? I don't think so. That's why Jesus came, and that's why Jesus died for you. And Paul spoke from morning to night, and some people said yes. And I hope you're one of those today. So, Father, I, uh, I don't know who you're working on online in Palm Bay, in DeLand, here in Ormond. I don't know if it's about salvation, if it's about repentance, if it's about covering the distance, if it's about becoming a verb. If it's been a bunch of no's and their hearts have been changed, their eyes have been opened. Lord, turn us into verbs so we can be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen.